I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Mike Watts. I'm doing the intro for the episode today because it had a lot to do with my parents. Kate and I interviewed my parents for the Kate and Mike Show, and we called it Raising Mike Watts. And that was something I've always wanted to ask my folks, as well as Kate was very interested in it. And we ended up talking a lot of different things about like how they were raised, because as I grew up in my house, in my life, you know, as a kid, etc., we were pretty standard middle class household. And both of my parents had, you know, graduate degrees as good jobs, etc. And that's what the mentality they taught us as I was growing up as well. And I wanted to know where they came from, because both of them have made more money than their parents made. Both of them didn't come from a, a lot of money. And they've done really, really well for themselves. So I wanted to kind of just get their perspective on that. We've also talked about in this episode, just it was pretty healing, I would say, is a good way to put it for myself and maybe for my mom and dad. I'm not 100% sure, but I know it was great for Kate. All of us cried like we sat around my kitchen table in my house in Valparaiso, Indiana, where I grew up or my parents house, I should say, the house that I grew up in. And we just it was a lot like it was just shedding tears and a great place to be. And one of the biggest things for myself about this episode, it was just cool to hear my parents' upbringing and their experience as well. Because even when they met and when they got together, that wasn't something that I knew previously. Like I just learned about that during interviewing this episode. And one of the main reasons I wanted to actually interview my parents, because I hear a lot now, you know, I'm 34 years old as recording this. And there is a lot of folks in, or a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's people in my life where their parents are passing away, you know, and this will be the time where it starts and it happens all the time. But, you know, parents are 60, 70 years old. And a lot of times, and I watched my parents take care of my grandparents when they were in their eighties and nineties. And my grandmother passed away a few years ago. That was 102. And just how hard that was for them. And you think about the life and they all ended up getting sick and some of them had cancer and emphysema and as well as dementia. And you think about the end of life where you live this life and you hang out with them. But then the last five or six, seven years of my grandparents' life for that instance, it doesn't happen all the time, this situation, but it was more of a taking care of perspective. So you kind of miss out on what those good times were. And when I wanted to sit down and interview my parents about this, I wanted to get a perspective now. Because you never know what the future holds, right? We could all get hit by a bus tomorrow and we're all dead, you know, whatever. But it was one of those things that I wanted to have that conversation with them early before it's too late. And I definitely didn't want myself to die or them to pass away. And it's to say like, oh, I should have healed something with my dad or my mom. You know, I hear that a lot, especially around men and daughters and sons and stuff. And you just kind of hear that is a common theme that takes place. So that was what we talked. We also talked about death. We talked about when, what to do when my parents pass away, you know, and what we should do with that. And what in that case for myself as well, you know, with our daughter Penelope, we talked about them being grandparents 
And it was definitely a longer interview. Uh, this is a two-hour, super in-depth. And we also heard, like my dad talked about being retired now. And my mom's going to retire in a few years as well. But just like what that's been for him. And it's not easy. You know, you could just tell the look on his face. Even though this is an audio interview, we were all sitting across the table from each other at the kitchen table at my parents' house. So we saw the look on it. Like he's just not, he's bored basically is one way to put it, but he's keeping himself occupied as well. And he talks about that as well in this interview. So if you enjoy this episode, please share this. And it might be one of those things that you sit down and actually have these discussions with your own folks because it's inevitable. Like I like to talk about death. I like to talk about the end because most people don't want to talk about it. So, of course, that's my life. I like to talk about the end of where people don't want to talk about. So it's really interesting to think about that life. You know, when I think of Kate and I talk a lot about death in our own life, you know, for us and what that looks like. And are we prepared for that? Are we prepared for Penelope, et cetera? So it's just an interesting perspective to sit down and interview your parents about raising Mike Watts. So I don't know if we'll have part two. And I also, as a teenager and in my early 20s, I was really, I got into some trouble with the law and with the police. And that's something I'll talk about probably more in the future when the time is right. It wasn't, my parents really didn't want to talk about it, so we didn't bring it up. And I just think, I don't know, I should have asked them because I feel like this is my assumption now that it might be because of what I ended up doing, they might take that it's their fault to a certain degree because they were my parents and they're supposed to be my guidance and all that stuff that they say about parenting. And I don't know. I'll kind of figure that out as I am parenting Penelope, but it's not, you know, they, and what I said to them during the podcast was a lot about, you know, it's like what they instilled in us at a young age is really coming through with all three of their children now. So we talked about the difference between me and my sister and my brother as well. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. It's pretty revealing. It's pretty in-depth. And have a great time. And please, as you can, you can share it at Kate Northrop and at Mike J. Watts on any of the social media channels. And I think it's interesting is have this perspective in your own life. If it's something that's unanswered or unsolved or unhealed between you and your folks, it's pretty important to get that taken care of. Because I know the more work I've done on myself, especially around my upbringing, even for myself, my own beliefs, etc. It's allowed me to move along in life. And I'm not stuck in an old story from 25 years ago, right? So enjoy it. Have a great time. And we will see you guys later and in the comments over at katenorthrop.com forward slash podcast. And we love those reviews on iTunes if you want to leave one as well. Cheers. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike show. I'm Kate. I'm Mike. And today we have some really special guests with us. Welcome to Bill and Michelle Watts, Mike's parents. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to be here. Are you guys ready for this interview? Yes. That You look very nervous. Are you nervous? My mom's nervous. She's I'm shaking nervous. her head. <laughs> <laughs> so we are at Mike's childhood home. We're sitting around the kitchen table. The dishwasher's going after dinner. Penelope's asleep. We just had a delicious steak and squash dinner made by Michelle. You're such a good cook. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, my dad grilled the steaks. Oh, actually, Bill grilled the steaks, and they were phenomenal. Thanks. Yeah. All right, so how do you want to start, And honey? we clean the dishes. We did the dishes, and we're ready to go. We're ready. So tell us about yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
a terrible question. Oh my god, my mom's face was just like, what? Be more specific. So the title of this episode is what we're calling it is Raising Mike Watts. So what should we, how should we start this? We didn't even talk about the Well, I would like to ask both of your parents. I actually do want to know a little bit about you. So we'll start with Michelle. So Michelle, where did you grow up? How many kids do you have? How far apart are they in ages? And what's your favorite part about being a mom? And you guys just celebrated your 40th? 40th. 40th wedding anniversary this year. Oh yeah. We're going to talk about that too. Yeah. And we sent them to Hamilton. So we got some decades going on here in the conversation. So, okay, mom. Okay. Well, I'm from Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and I grew up in a small steel town, small industrial town. I have three siblings, a brother and two sisters, and my parents were married 50, 50 plus years. I can't remember how many right now because my mother passed away in 2005, and then my dad passed away in 2012, but they were married for over 50 years. I met Bill at IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay, we're not going to go in How, how too old much, were you? We're going to come back to that. When you met Bill? Oh, sorry. I no, that's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was 20, 20, 21. And how long after that did you get married? 15 months after we met. Yeah. And Wait, then, you guys got married after 15 months? Uh-huh. Right. That's pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. You got actually married or engaged? Married. married. How long after you met did you get engaged? Uh, when was the first time you gave me a pop can ring? <laughs> it wasn't too <laughs> long was after we met. Ring. Wait, tell your engagement story. <laughs> it really was not much of a story. <laughs> it's, we were both in college and we were didn't have any money. And so I knew... It was kind of like love at first sight for me and took her a while, but it's usually how it is, (laughs) but basically, but it was like, he just said, Hey Myers, do you think you might want to marry me one day? (laughs) And I gave her a popcorn. Sure. I gave her a pop top. You mean from like a soda can? Yes. Soda can. Yeah. Okay. Soda can. What kind of soda? I have no idea. Yeah. That's cute. And then he gave me another, the next engagement ring was the. IUP class ring. <laughs> we still don't have any money. Yeah, we still don't have any money. And I actually never got a diamond until an engagement ring until we were married five years after you were born. Well, before you were born. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so you were married for a while before you had Mike. We were married almost six years. Wow. That's a, like a nice long time to wait to have kids. Yeah, it was a good time. Were you, you know, what, what was your then fa- we were ready. You were ready. What was your favorite part about being married without kids? Probably just being able to be independent, just go where we wanted to go and travel. We wanted at the time. Well, we went to school. Yeah, yeah. We went, we to, went, graduate to, school. went to graduate school. Because after IUP, you went to graduate school, right? Well, yeah. not or right not. away. Yeah. Both of you went to grad school. Yeah. Yes. For what? I went for audiology, and I went for industrial safety. Oh, yes. But he decided to go back to undergraduate school for a little bit, so. I supported him for a while. Nice. Because <laughs> you were working as an audiologist? No, actually, I was working. I graduated with a degree in speech pathology and audiology from IUP, but didn't find a job in that. And IUP is in Indiana, Pennsylvania, yes. for those of you. Which is confusing. Sure. It's yeah. very for those confusing. of us who are not There's familiar. a town in Pennsylvania called Indiana, and the school is Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Yes. So it's IUP. Did you guys have any idea that you would end up living in Indiana at that time? 
No. Because that's the state of kind India. of funny. Because no. right. now, now we're in the state of India. That was like six transfers later. And as a side note, my grandmother went to the same school, only at that time it was called Indiana Normal School. <laughs> and then my mother went to the same school. Really? And at that time it was called Indiana State College. And then it became a university. And when we went, it was Indiana University of Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, the state-related schools are usually named after the cities that they're in. Yes. Now, the state-supported schools like Penn State and stuff are not. But the state, Slippery Rock, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, you know, those smaller schools. And to make it really interesting, <laughs> if you think it's interesting, we met in abnormal psychology class. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Do you remember anything about abnormal psych, either of you? He was sitting in the back of the room with another woman. (laughs) And the professor told me, because we were friends, and because I used to house sit his house when he'd go away, about these two girls sitting in the front who just came from gym class with legs that would kill. So, you know. You do have really nice legs, Michelle. (laughs) That is a fact. (laughs) So that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So he told you about the women in front, and one of them was Michelle. Yes. With yeah. the nice legs. Yeah. That's great. Did I, you date the other one, too? No, that was her. My mom is shaking her head yes, kind of no. <laughs> date which one you talking about? You dated well, Michelle's some, friend? No, no, oh, I did not oh, date oh, Michelle's no. friend. I thought you meant the girl in the back of the room. Oh, you dated the girl in the back of the room. Yeah, she yeah. was school teacher. Just came to summer school. Got it. Got it. But quickly moved on to Michelle. I met Michelle in the Oak Grove. Yeah, I wish we were. I wish we were video recording this right now because the facial expressions coming from my parents—they're both blushing. What I know? What's the Oak Grove? In in the middle of campus, there's a park. It's like a park, and it has all oak trees, and we called it the Oak Grove. And it's like surrounded by the buildings of the campus, and has benches and parks, and it's pretty big. And I didn't see her after class ended. It was a six-week class, so I didn't see her. So come September, October, the new semester started, and I was walking through the Oak Grove one day, and I saw her playing jacks with a young child. I was doing speech therapy with Aww. a child. So I just started, I just started to talk to her, and I just said, you want to go out Friday? And that was it. And where did you guys go on your first date? We went to see Funny Girl. Funny oh, lady. really? Funny Lady. Funny Lady. Funny Lady. Funny lady. Barbara Streisand. Barbara That's Streisand. Funny Girl. There no? Two There's of them. two of them. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who's in Funny Girl? Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. And also Funny Lady. Yeah. That's yeah. confusing. Yeah. And then <laughs> okay. after that, we went to the Capitol Restaurant in Indiana University, and we had a Capitol roll. And one roll. And because when we walked into the restaurant, Wait, what's said, a Capitol roll? A Capitol roll is a, a big roll. cinnamon roll oh, okay. with, with oh, glaze on nice. it. And it was a famous eating it place. Was, it was, you know. It was their specialty, yeah. you know, Capitol Restaurant, uh-huh. so Capitol roll. And so as we walked in, he walked behind me and said, I hope you're not very hungry because I don't have much money. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so we had enough for the Capitol. Pickup Lines by Papa Watts, Volume 1, will be coming out next week. We had a Capitol roll and two cups of coffee, I guess. So For dinner. That was, yeah, after the movie. That was after the oh, movie. Oh, so this is like yeah, kind of dessert. dessert. Dinner and a movie. That okay. was it. You know? Okay. So. You did pay for the movie, though, didn't you? <laughs> Dinner yes, and a I half a Capitol Because that's why I didn't have any more money. He so. did pay for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. That's very cute. And what did you but think? But then he had a date with the other girl after that. <laughs> that same night? <laughs> I'm telling you all. Oh, I remember. You've told me. Yeah. Wait, you had a date with the other woman that same night. <laughs> 
I don't know if I'm going to answer. <laughs> I get yes, that's right. And at, at one o'clock point? in the morning. Oh my goodness! That where did where did you night. guys go? Out. Out. <laughs> and at what point during your relationship did Michelle find out that you also had a date later that night? Was that oh, a while later? Was it just it came up in a conversation? Probably after we were married. Yeah, probably. That's kind of funny. Yeah, probably. Because it was funny. Well, I don't you care. know what? This is a repetition. This is kind of because overlapping. Because Mike yep. actually called me before we were on our road trip together. It's a, like a thunderstorm it right now. That's so like weird. Mike called me to ask me about movie choices for a date he was taking a different woman on while we yes. were like before. I wasn't <laughs> just taking her on. She was coming to meet me while I was on the phone with you and I had to quickly get off because she showed up. And I knew you were calling me to ask my opinion yep. on movies for a different date. Yep. But I figured if you were calling me, then probably I had nothing to worry about. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we got way off track. We though. got way off track. So well, no, this is all relevant. No, this is all relevant. So, okay. So now Bill, mm-hmm. where did you grow up? And just a little, just some, you know, some fun facts about you, like Michelle told us. Oh, I grew up in a real small town, Trafford, Pennsylvania, and I had one older brother. We just had a great youth, and at that time in the world, your mother would kick you out of the house at 8 o'clock and say, come back at lunch and come back at 5. And we had a neighborhood full of kids, and we'd go play baseball. We'd go do, we had a great youth, play, ride our bikes, play basketball, go run in the woods, and we had woods up behind our house would go up on the hills and in the woods and it was just a good time and a good uh, upbringing our father asked us if we wanted to get out of the school system we were in so then we went to a school in greensburg pennsylvania is this high school yes so we just said okay we had an hour bus ride from eighth grade through high school every day and it was fun because being on the bus for five years with the same kids, basically, you know, <laughs> two hours a day. Yeah. How come you switch schools? My father was on the school board and he was also involved in politics of the running the city. And he just saw, he said, you might get a better education. And it went as a private parochial school at the school. So if you want to go, it's your call. And we didn't know any better. So we said, okay. So we started eighth grade up there and then went into high school. Hmm. But grandpa still worked in, he was on the school board in Trafford. Yeah, a while back, yeah, but he was borough secretary, and then he worked at Westinghouse for 37 years before he retired, and uh, so he was pretty active in the town and watching the town grow up. So, And then you took time off before you went to college. I worked for Westinghouse for five years at a manufacturing plant and then at the Research and Development Center for two years at the manufacturing plant and Research and Development for three years. And I got with an engineer that we worked on electric vehicle program at the R&D center. And really? Yeah. Wow. This is back in that's cool. The seventies, and they've been working on electric vehicles since 1900s. So Westinghouse. Have you seen the movie about who killed the electric car? No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No. We should all watch it. Yeah, but I I heard it's like I heard it's great. Yeah, it's a documentary. So. And the engineer, he just said, why don't you start to go to night school? And so he started to encourage me to go because I guess he saw some potential there. And so I took my chemistry and the sciences Mm -hmm. and stuff like that in night school. And then after probably two years of two courses a semester or so, I just applied to Indiana University of Pennsylvania and started there in January of a year in the mid-year semester. And then uh, I kind of loved it. 
you know, I never uh, experienced that before. So at night school or okay. at full-time school. Yeah, yeah, full-time, full-time school. school. Yeah, what did it, you love about it? I love the accomplishment of it probably. Whereas, uh, you go into something you don't know anything about and you read about it and you study it and you, you know, go to classes and I just like to go to classes. I never missed, mm-hmm. you know, I was 23 years old when I started. So I had a different perspective than an 18 year old. And so, you were, you guys are what? Five years, six yeah, years, five years, five apart. years apart. Yeah. So, and so I just went all year round. I never went home after that. I mm-hmm. just stayed in, I went to my first summer school that first year and then I got into, uh, rode my bicycle all the time and then I got into they had theater there and I uh, went to the first probably theater shows that the university students put on with the faculty advisors and stuff and I just fell in love with live theater so after that I just went they had six plays a summer just went there so you were a, you were a patron of the arts I like to watch them you know I, I yeah. could never do what they do at least I don't have that abilities but i just like the live broadcasts and the live acting and how they presented the material that's so cool and you guys love to go see shows now you guys are seeing shows all the time yeah what's one of your favorites that you've seen both of you les mis yeah hamilton was outstanding i mean i was like that money was very expensive for that, and we considered it and everything. But and but after the first five minutes of that show, I turned to Michelle and I said, "This is a great show." I mean, it wasn't even five minutes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just said it was I can't great. wait to see it. The Book of Mormon was. <laughs> it was just. It just has to bring a smile to your face. I don't know if it's a favorite one, but you've seen that. Have you finally seen we it? We saw the Book we of Mormon. We did. Yeah. yeah we, In New York, we went. It was out of control. <laughs> yes. I told my dad, he was like, oh, I should go see it. I was like, I don't think, I think you can't actually go see that show. I think you'll be so deeply offended. I don't think you should go. <laughs> so I love that you guys went and you weren't offended. I think it's funny. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then you were married for six years and then you had Mike. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, before we get, oh, I want to ask me. like kind of what your upbringing was. Cause that's, we haven't actually talked about this sure. and you guys can talk about what you want and what you don't want. But like, what was it like? I'm like, Mom, what was it like growing up in Lake Trobe? Because I know Grandpa worked in the factory at Kennemental. My dad was a blue-collar worker. He worked 40-some years as a tool and die maker. And he worked shift work until he was later in the years, and then he decided to work midnight because he got tired of doing the shifts. So I was raised in... We didn't have a lot of money. We had a very tiny house. We had... My two sisters and I shared a, upstairs. It was a story and a half house, and my sisters and I shared the upstairs bedroom. And my brother had one room downstairs. And then after a few years, after my grandfather died, my grandmother was also in the bedroom with the three of us. Upstairs? So, upstairs. And the upstairs is probably 300 square, 400 square feet? I don't think it was that big. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it was that yeah. big. No, not that big. Maybe, yeah. You could put four, four twin beds in there. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that big. It was small. And one bathroom. Which so. was in the basement. No, it no. wasn't. No, the shower, no, the was, shower in the was in the basement. There was a shower in the basement. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine being a guy in that house with all those women. <laughs> <laughs> you just pee outside. You just pee I mean, outside. That, yeah. But I think, you know, I have memories of, we moved into that house when I was six. And I can remember the house that we lived in prior to that. My memories of childhood, I have no bad memories of childhood. I have nothing that I could say, oh, 
I was deprived of this or deprived of that. And it was, you know, my parents did not have money. We never went on vacations. We never, my mom did not work until I went into high school. And then she started to work so that they could pay for me to go to college because my dad did not go to college. My dad went to the Navy. He was pulled out of high school in his senior year, March of his senior year, and was given his diploma and enlisted in the Navy during World War II. So he was only in the Navy for, I think, 18 months, and then he was honorably discharged at that time. But Because the war ended. Because the war ended, correct. And then Mom did, she started college, but she only finished two and a half years, I believe, and then she met my dad and decided to marry my dad. There's five years difference between my mom and dad as well. So they always wanted their kids to go to college. They just thought that we would have a better life than, you know, my dad being a tool and die maker. And mom ended up with a very good job. She was an office manager at an OBGYN practice, and she was there for over 20 years, and they loved her, and she was very social and not demanding, but... Forceful, but they at the office. She was forceful. Was she forceful at home? (laughs) No, I don't. Well, no, not really. Okay, no, not really. There's kind of a running joke in the family that she was. Oh, there is. Yeah. Oh, she was what? Well, it was. It's like I don't know. You. She was the nag. Yeah, my dad and my (laughs) uncles always get on it about like you're being Joanne or something. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, we used to call we call our GPS Joanne because she likes to give directions. Bossy, bossy. That's what it is. I love that. So my dad was, I wouldn't say he was an overachiever. My father was a very content man, very content. And I think that probably why I was never, I never felt like I was deprived of anything because I had two parents that really loved us all. And they had some troubles with my brother, a lot of troubles with my brother and my younger sister. Let me say one thing about her father. It was utterly amazing from an outsider's viewpoint of the family. When we met, when we were dating, and maybe when we first got married, I can't remember the exact point, but we would play games at our parents' house. And one of the games we would play would be Trivial Pursuit. And that was, uh, uh, you'll have to look that up if it's out of date. But oh, No, you okay. played that too. I love yeah. That yeah, there's yeah. still Trivial Pursuit. Well, there was a Trivial Pursuit game of sports, and this was utterly amazing. So we'd sit around the kitchen dining room table and play Trivial Pursuit of Sports with her father. And it was just, there wasn't one one question that he did not know the answer. It was just amazing. There wasn't one question in the whole, we just stopped playing a game and just started to pull the cards. Well, Bob, (laughs) what's about this? There's the answer. He was a a walking sports encyclopedia. That's amazing. I mean, he just had that memory for that, but... My dad, I asked him one time when I was in college, and I said to him, did you ever want to go to college? Because here he wanted all of his kids to go. And, and I said, did you not ever want to go to college? And he said, you know, Michelle, I had a job that gave my family a life, and I was able to support my family with the job that I had, and I was happy with that. And yeah, that's, a, that's a great comment because... Yeah, even though, you know, sometimes you would look at somebody that's blue collar and think, why aren't they doing something better? Or why aren't they, why don't they want something better? Why don't they want to achieve better? And he was just content with, he was content with his wife. He was content with his family. He loved us all dearly. 
and his siblings and his parents. And so I think that's something that I was walked away with thinking about him is that, you know, I was, I had what I needed. I didn't need more. But he had a famous line that we still use to this day because every time we would say, like, he was also not real anxious to fix things in the house or cracks in the walls or anything like that. You know, so we'd say, Dad, you know, what about that crack on the ceiling? Don't you want to have that fixed? Well, why would I want to do that? And that's what he would say. <laughs> so it became the famous line with my dad. Hey, Dad, you know, do you want to paint that door? paint the trim around that door. Well, why would I want to do that? (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah. (laughs) But they gave us a good, I can't say it wasn't a very flamboyant life at all. It was, but I remember it. I think one of my favorite childhood stories, it had to do with how safe we were at that time of our lives when we were growing up. I had a girlfriend whose name was Michelle, spelled it with one L like I did. We were one week apart. Wow. We always used to say that we became friends when we were when our mothers were pregnant, and we would talk to each other through the womb because <laughs> they were friends. That's cute. So she lived about a mile and a half away from me, and I could walk down past the brewery. You know where the brewery was. Yeah. So Latrobe is also the home of Rolling Rock beer. Yes, and, and Mr. Mr. Rogers and, Mr. and Rogers. Arnold Palmer and Arnold Palmer. And the first place the professional football game was played. Yep, it's spring training, not spring training. Preseason spring practice. training for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, but they don't call it spring training. No, that's call, baseball. What do they call Pre- it? Preseason. It's preseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers at St. Vincent College, where training my parents camp. got married. Training, training camp. camp. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's but we cool. would. Yeah. We would walk. I would walk down to her house. Well, she would walk and meet me at the playground that was a mile and a half away, and and then we would walk to her house, and we both had Chatty Kathy dolls, which maybe. I know about Chatty Kathy. <laughs> Well, we always played that we got married to, we were twins, so we pretended we were twins, and we got married to twins that were named Tom, (laughs) and we both had Kathy babies, Chatty Kathy babies on the same day. Oh my goodness. That's adorable. Wow. And you're the oldest. I am the oldest of four. Uh Uh-huh. And my brother is 15 months younger. My sister is three and a half years younger, and then my next sister is ten year, almost 10 years younger. And then did your siblings go, everybody go to college too? No, my brother started college, and he did not succeed. <laughs> he was home in less than a year. My sister graduated from college. Marcy graduated from college, and she has a master's in education. And my youngest sister did not go to college. She went to business school. So then you went to IUP. I went to IUP. In speech pathology. Speech pathology. And then you went to, so you worked for a little bit while dad went, you went back to school. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then you went to. Then we both went to. Central Missouri. Missouri. Central Missouri. Oh. It's now called the University of Central Missouri. Yeah. But it was Central Missouri State University. And then what did you major in as your master's? I majored in audiology. And he majored in safety. Industrial safety. And then I went back to school in 2004. I think so, yeah. It was an online distance education program for audiologists who had been working in the field. Because now audiology is a doctoral level degree. You cannot get a master's degree in audiology anymore. Hmm. So I went back to school and earned my doctor of audiology. So you are... 
Dr. Watts. I am Dr. Watts. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. I'm going to start calling you Dr. Watts. <laughs> we should address our mail here. To do- to Who did that? Mr. Mr. No. How do you, how would you not do that etiquette? Dr. and Mr. Watts. That kind of sounds weird. It does sound weird. (laughs) Who sent that to us? I don't know. Somebody Somebody sent sent you Dr. and Mr. Watts. (laughs) That's really funny. That's funny. I love that. So, and then, so Michelle told us a little bit more. And you actually shared about your childhood as well. Like running wild in the woods and riding your bike. Did your parents want you to go to college too? Like, was that? It wasn't. You know, they, my brother went to college he because what, months did grandma was, work because well, she was a librarian. Well, before right. when we were growing up, mom was home. She raised us. My dad was an accountant. So after we got a little bit older, like maybe after we started to do the bus to take the bus to school, my mother went and got a job. She was a bookkeeper for a while. And then she worked, volunteer, volunteer work for the church. She took care of the the sacristy mm-hmm. and all the altar stuff, the vestments and everything for the uh, ceremonies and masses and stuff. After that, she uh, did volunteer work in the library. And uh, then after that, she worked in a candy store. They, we had a candy store called Sherm Edwards. It was sold. It's still in the, that fam, the candy family, but it's to, given, sold to a nephew. It had to be the best candy that we ever ate in our lives. Um, but she worked for them. She packed candy. And then my dad worked for the candy store, too, and he did the accounting because they needed to just refine their accounting methods and how they managed their money and stuff. And uh, the people that ran the store, they were very, very nice people, husband and wife and son. So, And my dad did that until they closed up, I'm pretty sure. Uh, for a while yeah they're closed yeah. yeah they're closed now so yeah so going to college was that uh a- yeah it wasn't real high pressure thing it was a decision on my own basically after i worked because my parents never put the pressure on us they just asked us if we wanted to go to college and you know i went to college right after high school and then i said i didn't want to do this so where so did you go to- then i went to allegheny county community college mm-hmm and then after I started to work and this engineer took me under his wing, you know, I went to Westmoreland County Community College because I could go there at night. I just would go up after work. What was it about going to school right after high school that you didn't like? Like to college right after high school? I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I totally wasn't ready for it. So I had to find something. Did you like, like high school? Yeah, it was fine. But it was an academic high school. I mean, it was very, very academically mm-hmm. orientated. And, uh, I mean, we had to work even, you know, I mean, you really had to work because these people, they came from everywhere, all over the county wow. to go there. So it was challenging, to say the least. But we had fun in high school. I mean, we had some fun the last two years in high school with the prom and the dances and the football games and stuff. So, But it was a travel we had to travel up there, you know, a good right. hour away. So, Was it really important for, like, if Mike had come to you and said, I'm not ready to go to college yet, would it have been really important for you guys for him to go immediately or any of your kids? Or how was it for you guys? I know I'm jumping and we're not no, going linear, fine. but... <laughs> and I have one brother who is four years younger than me and one sister that's two years younger. 
Right. Mike's the oldest. So was that really important for you guys, for your kids? Well, we planted the seeds of college because, you know, college, you know, what I got out of undergraduate and graduate school is, you know, just a sense of accomplishment and betterment of my view of the world and my view of what's out there and what's presented to us. I didn't have that view before, and I don't know, and I can't speak to know if I would have received that view later on. But it accelerated that knowledge of, you know, there's more out there than what you think. And there's so much more to know. And, you know, so we raised our kids, like, planting those seeds, you know. And we took, <laughs> we, we, I'll never forget this. We were at her parents' house, and we took our kids up to Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And we, we took them. To the classroom we met in. How old were we? I remember this. You remember it? Yeah. Uh, You must have been like 12, 12, 10, and 8, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little older. I don't know. And then the desk that I was in, because it was the only left-handed desk in the classroom, was still there. And I wrote on the desk underneath it. It was still there. Really? Yeah. Still there. That's funny. That's cool. That's really uh, cool. But it was... You know, I, I think we raised our kids with I think we disease. encouraged yeah. them to go to college. And would they have, if, you know, no, nobody ever said they didn't want to go at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just it's, curious because I think that is really common that kids aren't ready to go to school I think right so after yeah. and taking a yeah. gap year or even a little bit longer. Right. I mean, and sounds like I, a really good idea. When I go well, back well, Two years later, yeah. two years later like really I, was, I was ready to go yeah. to college. You I'm know, not right. sure Michael was ready to go to college. I don't. I agree. Based I on the ready. stories I no. have yeah, heard. You were, <laughs> you were, you were ready to leave ready, the he house. He was ready to leave the house yeah, and ready to be independent and ready to be yeah. on his own. Yeah. But not. he was ready to party. <laughs> he was not ready to go to college to study. No, I agree with that. And I think, and Daniel has said to us, too, and Daniel is probably, no offense, Mike, but he's probably the smartest one of the kids. I, I'm not going <laughs> to... Deny that at all. It's in intelligence wise now. I'm so I'm talking you know, he's got yeah, his academically issues too, for academically. Sure. Yeah. And he has hmm. said over and over. Making quick decisions though, not even close. No, you were I right about that. him. Yes. yes, you were right. I listened to your decisions podcast and that is your brother. Yeah. Analyzing you did analyzing the decisions analyzing. episode. Yes. Yeah, on project just about because what Bradley told us, this was on Project Life with Mike Watts. He told us that what he really likes in our business is that we make decisions quickly and we move on. We just decided today, actually, in a conversation that we think that the probably the main source of business success for us is making decisions. Right. And it happened to be at the same time you told me about Daniel deciding on the truck. And I just shared, you know, I didn't go into great detail about what you said, but it was just about how Daniel analyzes and researches and then stresses about the decision that's made. And then there was research that you shared about this, about that even though somebody might research the decision for so long and to say that they think they have the right decision, but they're actually stressed out about the decision they make. The more you research things, the less happy you will be with your decision. Studies show. Which makes, intuitively, you wouldn't think that that's the case, but that's the case. And I agree with that. And But the the decision-making that Daniel went through was not the decision on the truck. It was a decision on spending the money yeah. for the truck. That's a Correct. Thing. Right. That's that's a where that's a stressful one right. for Plus, him. Plus, part of he part loved of he the, loved doing the analysis. Research. Yeah. Right. right. He loved doing an analysis right. on the research. We researched for four months every vehicle made out there in his price range. Every one. It was a <laughs> weekly discussion between Daniel and myself, and we called it the car for the day. Michelle and I 
nicknamed it. You it know, what, what car are you interested in today? <laughs> okay, so. so when you're so your kids are all pretty different. Definitely. Yes. Really different. So, you know, at what point as they were growing up, did you see those differences? And what do you think contributed to those differences? Because your kids are like really different. Each one of them. You know, in some families, people are kind of like, mm-hmm. they're pretty much the same. And in the Watts family, that is not the case. So what do you think? Well, I think there is there are some similarities. I think yeah. that... I mean, we all went to college. Well, not yeah, only you're all that, smart. but you're all, you're all uh, achievers. With I'm the yes. smartest. You're all, all achievers. achievers. You're all achievers. You're all achievers, yeah. yeah. My mom yeah. just said I was the smartest out of all of them, so... <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it is. My brother really. She actually like, said Daniel was a Yeah, I know. No, no, but my brother's. The, the intelligence genius, yeah. of all three children come in different right. manners. Yeah, different Daniel is IQ smart. If he wants to know something, he will go out and research it. He wanted to know how keyboards were made, so he went out and researched it, and he built his own keyboard. Daniel he, was reading the encyclopedias backwards. He started at Z when he was about seven years old. Wow. He didn't want to read from A to Z. He wanted to read from Z to A. So he was like that right from the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mike, Michael's smart. Okay. He looks at something. He analyzes it. Michael is world smart. Yeah. He's yes. street smart and world smart. You hear that? You hear that, listener? You can just call me Michael the world smart Watts from now on. <laughs> Thank you. I'll have a t-shirt made. But you've always struggled with self-esteem. I have. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still working on that one. Oh yeah, that's that, that's a joke. You know, <laughs> there was a little yeah. sarcasm in that comment. You know? I would say that we realized they were different from each other in elementary school. Yeah, I don't know that it's how we raised them. I just think, and I think if you talk to anybody with more than one or two children, you can see. I mean, you and your sister are different. No, we're in so some different. Ways. Yeah, and so I think it's just what is it? I don't know what it is. Is it genetics? Is there's a little bit of both of us in each of them? What and do maybe you see of more. yourself? In what Mike? about Katie though? Oh. Like, what makes her different than Daniel and myself? I think her common sense and her calm. She really has a calm view of the world, and you know she analyzes things she doesn't make decisions as fast as you do or as slow as daniel but she analyzes things and she's very practical okay her smartness comes from you know a down the grounded down to earth view and the way that we see you know how the family goes now that she's married and has a child and uh, you know that down to earthness just her practicality is just amazing what she comes you know, well, plus what, she always, she would set her goals. She would just set a goal and, and, go and do she it, would yeah. work towards that wow. goal. And even though when she went to undergraduate school, she wasn't sure. She switched her major five or six times. And still graduated in four years. <laughs> yeah. She Impressive. Did. But she also actually went back to the, what she was thinking about doing as a freshman, occupational therapy. So when she, once she knew that's what she was going to do, then she knew what road to take to get into graduate school to do that. So... I think she has that. She doesn't have as she doesn't stress about the decision no. as much as you know Daniel. Have, analyze, analyze, analyze. Michael's always been more social than Katie ever was. Katie, you would think of as a wallflower in high school. She had one or two close friends, maybe four or five, that mm-hmm. she always stuck to, and she never did a lot of social socializing. Whereas Michael, Michael always had that. I won't say salesman, but that. Social, you know, he always had the gift of gab, always had the gift of being able to get out there and make friends. 
And he, he was not afraid to meet people and talk to people. Right. And he was not afraid. He had a lot of self-confidence in himself with the public, with people he did not know and the things that he did. And he, he was like, too. his behavior yeah. was probably determined. And I think that's why you're successful when, now. I'm sorry. His behavior was, we saw this when we were in one of the locations that we were transferred to. We had a fence around the yard. And he always had this um, adventurous aspect to his personality, you know. So you can tell the story better than I can. But yeah, he, that was the story where I, I told this at Purdue one time. I don't know if you remember, but this is where I said your adventure streak started because it was right after we had Katie and your dad was out of town. And I was giving Katie a bath and you were supposed to be playing upstairs with me. And all of a sudden you were gone. And I went racing through the house with Katie wrapped in a towel, racing around their yard, couldn't find you anywhere, and I heard a noise in the neighbor's garage. The gate was unlocked. We no, had a... it was the... He came, we went out through the front door. Oh, okay. He went out through the... The front door was unlocked. He unlocked the front door and went out through the front door. He's only two. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. He was two when Katie was born. Okay. Not even two. He was short of two, just two weeks short of two. And you were out in the neighbor's car in the garage... <laughs> The neighbor had been taking groceries out of her car into her house, and she and I both came out at the same time because I heard a noise, she heard a noise, and there you are sitting at the driver's wheel. (laughs) (laughs) And they lived on this incline, and I said, oh my gosh, if he would have put that car into gear, he would have been in the fence down the driveway. So that's where your adventure started, and I don't think it stopped ever after that. It's pretty cool that we went on a road trip together. Right. And I drove 90% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It started at two, right? He was going to be on a road trip at two. That's really funny. And I yeah. think the other two are definitely not as adventurous yeah, as they're, Michael. They're not. Now, Daniel is in, in a way. Daniel, honestly, is Daniel's outdoorsy. Yeah. He will go to out-of-the-way places, but he will go by himself. Yeah, he's a big introvert. Yeah, yes. totally. Katie's an introvert, too. To some extent, so, yeah. but around people that she knows and her friends that she has, she's really not. She's really pretty outspoken. Yeah, I wouldn't call and, her an introvert. Yeah, It'd she has a lot of friends. To do her test. It would be if she's ever done the Myers. Well, Tricks. introverts don't have. That doesn't mean they don't. It's have whether friends. you're energized by being around people or whether you're energized by being by yourself. How about you guys? Are you more energized by being around people? I think you're an extrovert, Michelle. Are you more energized by being around people or by being by yourself? Hmm. I like, well, I'm, I would say I'm more of an extrovert, but as I get older, I become more of an introvert, uh-huh. I think. How like, you? I just like, I like the calmness. I don't, wouldn't consider myself an introvert. I mean, I couldn't do the job that I do if I wasn't more of an extrovert because I'm yeah. with people all the time. I would say well, I'm Looking in extrovert. their ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Bill? Like, you, do you think you're an introvert or an extrovert? Let me, I'm half and half, or maybe yeah. You're, you're uh, an ambivert. On my job, I had to deal with people all the time. I had to talk and convince people to do something most of the time they didn't want to do or it would cause them more work to do. We had to write, and we had to create, and we had to uh, proceduralize, and we had to change management's viewpoint, blah, blah, blah. But we had to deal with people all the time, all day long, every day. And every day I was on the road, I had to deal with people, and I was on the road quite a bit. What did you do? Can you share so people I was know? a safety engineer. But for who did you work for? I worked for Amico and BP for 35 years. But when the day was done, going back to the hotel room, 
it was like sometimes we'd have meetings and stuff like that, but I just like to put my feet up and sit in the lazy boy or sit on the bed or whatever and have quiet. So there's a certain downtime that I needed to do what I had to do the next day. And I had to think and we had to work at night in a lot of places that sometimes I had 39 locations I had to support at one time for a number of years. So we had to work at night. So I needed downtime to do that. And later in the career, we wrote procedures and we wrote policies. And so there was a lot of discussion uh, many times uh, in the last six or seven years that we'd have meetings and we would debate the subject. And there was like four of us, five of us that had the abilities to debate the subject and walk away and to go have dinner later on. And we were all friends. And even to this day, I'm still friends with two of the guys that we were on this team together. And uh, so I guess I look at myself as being, and the job I have now in retirement, I deal with people all day. But as you well know, when I <laughs> sit on my lazy boy, you know, I just like I like the quiet. He's predominantly an introvert, I would say. I would say so, too. Yeah, because he, he even said, that. like, I go to the job and because then I need to recharge. Like, I'm a super extrovert, and there is no way. It's very rare that I could sit in another room while other people were hanging out in the kitchen and not oh. be right in there There's no them. way. You it's would not like be able impossible. to handle it. Yeah, I'm the same so, way. Is it okay if I switch Yeah, gears? go ahead. So I'm curious, what was the most challenging thing about, what's been the most challenging thing about being Mike's parents? Probably the late high school years and the early college years when we didn't know everything that he was doing. <laughs> and then when we found out, <laughs> I don't know how much you want me to go into. You no. can Talk share anything you, you want. want. He's, you've shared. I haven't, sure. gone, I haven't done everything, but they no. can share whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, share no. whatever you want. It's cool. a, just a matter of time. but. <laughs> No, I don't think we need to go into detail. Well, I think it's interesting to share. (laughs) So what was challenging about that time for you? It didn't represent you. It didn't represent the boy that grew up in this house and the boy that your mother and father raised. And it did not represent the upbringing that you had. Okay. And that was the challenging part because we saw something change in you and we didn't, weren't smart enough to figure it out. Okay. But it didn't represent you of who you are and what you were, could be and how you weren't the boy that we knew you would be, okay, and could be. And that wasn't you. In those years, that was not you, okay. And that was the challenging part to watch that because that wasn't you and it was somebody else, okay. Yeah, it was you physically and you were doing stuff, and, but that wasn't what you could be or what you could do. You know, today hmm. is like different. You know, this what do you is mean great. By different. Well, what you do in your life. Right. I mean, you're married, you have a child, you know, you're working, you're being productive, you're making a living for yourself. You know, this is you. You know, this is you. I couldn't be any prouder. Thanks. <laughs> this is the boy we raised. And then what was it like for you guys during that time? Because that was, you know, I wasn't that person that you raised. But then, like, what was, like, self-talk, you know, for as... And during this time, like, I really, for about 12 years, from the time I was 16 to the time I was 28, 
There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of smoking weed, smoking cigarettes, doing drugs during this entire my, especially in my college years and at the end of high school. So that's what a lot my parents are talking about. Cause I know there's people listening to this that are going through the same thing with their kids. And I really just spent a good 12 years kind of finding myself, I guess you could say as a way to put it shortly. But this was during those times, like what my folks are talking about right now was like, and I'm curious, like what it was for you guys, you know, because it's like, yeah, I wasn't who you raised, but like there was definitely communication, right? How did you deal with that? And when you look back, was there something you would do differently or like advice for parents that are going through this now for their, like their kids might be doing this as well? I think we were hurt by a lot of it because we didn't understand why you were directing your actions away from what we had always encouraged you or raised you or thought we had raised you to look at as far as, you know, I guess morals or whatever it is or how we wanted you. And we shouldn't say how we wanted you. We how the person we wanted, we were hoping you would be. And there was a lot of deceit going on, and I think that hurt a lot. And we just prayed and talked a lot. And I think that if I had to do it over again, I would ask more questions. There was a lot of trust. I think we both had a lot of trust in you. And I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that. But I think that as parents, we wanted to be, we tried to be friends. And I think I would have asked more questions and charged you more with, this is the way it's going to be. And, you know, you need to, own up, I guess, to some things. And you may have rebelled. I don't know. But I think I would have asked more questions. I can remember instances that you came into the house and and I asked you questions because I thought there was something else going on and you gave me an answer and I just said, okay. And I probably should have pushed a little further. So, you know, that it's funny because your brother and I were talking about this a little bit and how I, what should I have done different? that you would have gone on a different path. And I don't know that we could have done anything, anything because you were in a group that you felt was more important to you at that time. And so I think we gave you that foundation and we just prayed and we talked and hoped that you would come back to the straight and narrow, quote unquote, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And you did. You did. You, but it took you waking up to say, I don't want to live like this anymore. And I think there was nothing that we could have done. All we could do was support you and what you did. Right. And that's what we did. All those years that we supported you, not just monetarily, but whatever you wanted to do. When you got in trouble with the law, we were there for you. You know, whenever you moved to Charlotte, we were there for you. When you wanted to move to Florida, when you wanted to move to Phoenix. And at one point when you said, I think I might be coming back home. We were here for you. So as a parent, to me, that's all you can do is really, there's no, our love was never, ever, ever doubted. Never. I mean, I still remember you as that baby we brought home 30 some years ago. This is the mom. There's the mom in me. Yeah, we held you. I told you I, once, I you. and I told you when I was in Maine. <laughs> You asked me what, what about being a mom, and I told you that that was the one thing I always, always wanted to do, always. That was what, to be a wife and a mom, and because of my strong feeling of being needed, whatever. But that was my most important job in life, was being a mother to the three of you. And I tried, and I think I did a good job. 
And now for you guys to give me grandchildren <laughs> to do it all over again, it's like, I'm, I'm in heaven. This is grandma on steroids. It's insane. Like, she is. She's the world's best so grandmother. Did, did, you see, did you see Rachel commented on the photos that she wants to bring Easton over? <laughs> Your dad told me that. Yeah. Yeah. Our cousin. So, Rachel, cousin. if you're listening to my, this, I'm sure that's we yeah, can arrange. Yeah, you can bring him over. That'd be to bring over her kid, too. Yeah. 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 So I guess my biggest fear was where you were going is where where were you going to end up? Where are you going to end up? Because if there was nothing we could do to change your pattern of behavior, it had to come from you. And the biggest fear was, you know, you need you're at the Y in the road and you got to take the right fork instead of going down the wrong fork. And uh, you did. And you did. And so, I mean, that was the fear. That was a terrible feeling to have as a father to watch one of your children. And we all know of the incidences that are close to us in this neighborhood. So, wow. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate that. I've left you speechless. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What am I supposed to say now? I don't know. Do you have a question? Well, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Oh yeah. <laughs> go ahead. This is our podcast. You yeah. can jump in anytime. Well, I know, but this is like a, this is a, this is a parent son moment. Yeah. So, but I do have other questions, of course. Thank you guys both for sharing that. Mm. That was really beautiful. Now, the corollary of that is what was what have been some of the best parts about being Mike's parents? Oh, watching him walk, watching him bringing talk, him home from the hospital him, yeah, the first time. The hospital. And we're <laughs> in Casper, Wyoming, and I'm holding him in my hand, and I said, "What do we do now?" <laughs> And it's like, what do we do now? I don't know, but we'll make it through. You know, and that was about what it was. And watching him grow up. I mean, watching him and when all three of them were little, they were just adorable children. And watching them all interact and grow up. I mean, I got to see it sometimes, not as much as Michelle, but I'll never forget that. I'll never forget him playing baseball and sports. And herd soccer was just a, just a riot. I can still remember these little kids playing soccer. He said herd soccer. Like, like they just like, all yeah, run little, after yeah, the ball. Right. Yeah. They all run at yeah. this ball. I, that was a riot, you know. And uh, But, you know, and watching him accomplish things in life as a child and even in his college years, even with all the good times he had, he still accomplished what was supposed to be done. Yeah, and did. that's that, yeah. and that, and he has that sense of direction. And do you want to talk about how you didn't think that was going to happen? <laughs> he has that sense of direction, <laughs> and he has that. Well, uh, don't you remember we gave you the choice of, after the first year? You better bring up that GPA, or you're coming home. So right, I remember the threat this. of coming home <laughs> made him put bring up that GPA, even though he still partied. Yeah, I had like a two one. It's because I took the wrong math class. Like oh, that was that was one big. It could reason. have had anything to do with all the alcohol. Yeah, but the math, like, I, it was way over my head. Like, cause when I went to counselors at the first school and they're like, oh, you've taken calculus that you're, you're great for second year calculus. And when I walked into there, I had no idea what yeah. I was doing and no idea. And I didn't know you could drop classes no. and I would have dropped it to go something. So I ended up getting an F in it because I just, I couldn't, I took all the tests and I did the homework, but it, I just didn't understand any of it. Hmm. But yeah, that was one reason. I mean, of course, there was other reasons as well, like partying and getting into the frat houses and hanging out and partying with all them and et cetera. But yeah. But even given all that, that's part of college life. You were able to complete it. Right. And your sense of completion is a very positive. With two majors, I might add. Yes. Two majors. Five years, but two majors. <laughs> yeah, that's well, okay. Five years was because he had a second major. Yeah. yeah. That's right. 
in that sense of completion. And then you, you went st- and still got the Wake Forest degree too, which you didn't think you should have, but you did. But you did, even though you you had negative feelings on that degree, yeah. you still completed it. Right. Your sense of yeah. completion is one of the great things about your personality. Right. You do have an excellent sense of follow through. Right. I do. Good thing because I'm terrible at it. Yep. So. No, but that was, I mean, Wake Forest for, I got my MBA from Wake Forest and it was kind of like what you shared about going to college for yourself. Like when you went the first time, you weren't ready. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I wasn't ready for that. Like if I was go back for my MBA now, it would be a much different experience, but it was just what, and I know all timing, it all works out. It's perfect. But when I went there after the first semester, I was like, I'm not, I wasn't really into it. But after, but, okay, look at the chain of events that happened would you be sitting here with kate if you did not know and that's what i'm saying like timing was perfect and all worked out but that was the feeling of going to that program at that moment of time yeah it all worked out and it was great and i wouldn't be here plus it sounds fancy yeah it sounds fancy (laughs) but it is it yeah i just wasn't ready for graduate it took a lot of people convincing you to finish it Mm -hmm. like that who was that one man that we met jason wells him oh he told you to finish it yeah, he's the main reason I stayed in it. Yeah. Because nice. he said it's a good marketing tool when you leave. And I was almost done. I'll tell you, when you were six or when you went to first grade, I just thought you were a genius. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean my son is only in this reading group? He should be up in the escalated reading group. What do you mean he's only here? <laughs> well, I understand why I was in the basic reading group now. <laughs> You were an advanced one, but you weren't in the advanced, advanced. <laughs> you know, as a first, as a mother, a first a mother, a first child, the first child is a genius, no matter what anybody tells you. All my kids are geniuses, but. <laughs> but <laughs> That's funny. I lack the English ability. That is compared to like, especially Daniel or Kate, if I compare myself to those two. No, especially Daniel. He yeah. has a grasp well, of the Kate language. Well, Kate too. Kate's a great oh, writer. Yeah. This Kate. Yeah, oh, this yeah. Kate. Oh, I thought you meant your sister. Yeah, I thought you meant your sister, too. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't actually, I don't actually. know if I've ever read Katie's, like, if she's written papers or something like that. It's just because Daniel wrote a lot of stuff, so you read it. Daniel's a great writer. Yeah, he's yeah. phenomenal. He yeah. got caught drinking in the dorm. I changed the subject, but this was funny. And This is Mike, not Daniel. No, this is Daniel. Daniel. Oh, this is Daniel. In, okay. In the first I never got caught drinking in the dorm. because you're world smart. Yes. <laughs> well, he had a bottle sitting there in the in the. And Daniel's floor. not. And the floor. And <laughs> to the, a certain degree, but yeah. yeah. And the door was open, and the floor... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, walk by. And so he had to go and go see the dean. So, okay, let's just put this in context for a second. Daniel was drinking in the dorm with the door open. Yes, (laughs) with the door open. Okay. (laughs) So, see, we smoked weed in the dorm, but we at least closed the door. And opened the windows. Opened the windows. We blocked the door. Yeah, yeah. So he, he goes and writes a paper, and it's a lengthy paper, probably 10 pages of why... 18-year-olds should be allowed to drink in a dorm, and he took on the dean. And he just wrote an anti, you know, disciplinary paper justifying it that, you know, one of the ones is, you know, 18-year-olds give their life up for this country. And, you know, that was one of the many reasons that he justified this and so it didn't work but yeah it didn't work but I mean valid reasons it was very impressive. It's very impressive. Do you have any other questions? No, go ahead. You got more? Well, I was just going to ask if there was, you know, I just, was there any other things? Oh, well, that they... yeah, I have more oh, okay, questions. Great. So what's it like now to be, because Katie has a baby and she has a 
Donovan's what year in? He's eighteen months. Eighteen months. Oh yeah, eighteen months today. And then Penelope's eighteen months. Penelope is eight days older than Donovan, my sister's child. So what's it like now to see? And Daniel just bought a new truck. (laughs) That's probably a month old, right? Like, what's it like now to see like your kids? Growing up a little bit. One of the most awesome moments I've found is seeing your child as a parent. Yeah. So to see you and your sister as parents and how you react to your own children and the, I don't think that any child, and correct me if I'm wrong, can realize the love that a parent has for them until they are a parent themselves. And I'll never forget having you and thinking, this is what my mom and dad were talking about all these times, you know, all these years. And that love is so great. And to see you have that for your daughter and to see Katie have that for her son and to see you have it for your wife as well. But the love that you two have for your daughter and how you, you know, you, you'll see there's going to be trials and tribulations. There always are. They're never going to grow up the I way you already have should. some. Yeah, <laughs> you've already had them. Just a few. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the impressive things for me was when you called us to come up to Maine when Kate was given birth and to see you in the hospital with her and with your daughter and to see how much trouble she was going through. Okay. And to see how you reacted. And I told you, what did I tell you then when I left? I don't know. (laughs) I said you were going to be a great father. Oh yeah. In the hallway. So you are, that's true. I am. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And you're so modest. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm like one thing I'm going to get right in this lifetime is being a dad. Like I know that for sure. So that's great. You know, and I thank you, Dad, for that because it's, you had good role models. I did, mm-hmm. you know, and I that's kind of what I wanted to ask you guys, too, because like I've never had to worry about food on the table, you know, from a kid like I, it's not something I ever was concerned about. There was always fruit by the foot in the closet, you know, in the cabinet <laughs> or gushers, you know, to eat, you know, so <laughs> I forgot about those things. Fruit by the foot. Yeah, you don't remember those snacks fruit by oh. the foot. They were so disgusting, but. I mean, but now they're I disgusting. When, I know when I think about the things that I fed you guys, but you know that at that time it was like macaroni and cheese and hot dogs and it was like the movement of the box stuff. food. Like that's right. probably. Yeah, was, I mean, because yeah, you guys, but you didn't guys have loved it. I mean, of course, it. yeah, totally. It's engineered for you to love. I know. So but now, as, what, as now I look at what I feed myself and feed you and feed our grandchildren. You know, it's like, but I made all your own baby food. You never had stock baby food. I made all that, yeah. so that was all very healthy and. Yeah, I nursed you, so you didn't have any yeah. bad stuff. But then when I think about what we eat now, well, what we know, we're more educated. Right. So just, we, we have access to more information. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we hope we never left you wanting for things. And you didn't go. No, I never, never felt that way at all. Like, I always felt like we were always taken care of no matter what. And I guess from your, because you guys did, you know, you've done stuff different than your parents. You know, when you look at like they didn't go to college and then now you went to college and then went to graduate school and we live in a larger home than like what you grew up in. So like what was your like where's the drive for you to kind of come from? And I know it's with kids. It starts differently. But like when you decided to go to college, like what was the reason? What was your dream? Like, mom, you said you wanted to always be a mom, but there was something because you still work, you know, it's like with all of us kids out of the house, 
you're still working or have been working. But it, remember, I took 10 years off right. to be at home with you. Right. Yeah, and then you're in a daycare out of the house. Right. So that she wasn't can, that big of a daycare. No. Get more How many kids? <laughs> Four or five. Huh? No, it was Matthew and Nathan for a while, and the Gingers were here for a while. That was it. Yeah. So like four at a time? Yeah. Plus three of five. us. Five at a time, plus yeah. three. Yeah. Rachel, we can have one more kid to come. We can. Yeah, Easton yeah. can come over. Easton can come over. <laughs> sure. We can do it. So like what was your life philosophy kind of growing up? Was it, I'm not saying that you wanted to like do better than your parents type thing, but like what was it as you were, like, did you have one or did you think I had, ever? I had to make a decision like you did. All right. I had to make a decision when I was 21 years old, 22 years old, like you had to do when you were 28. All right. Because I knew the life that I had working at the research and development center wasn't going to be my life. There was an ache in my stomach that had to be solved. It was an actual ache, a pain. And this engineer, you know, gave me the encouragement to do something, to make myself think more of myself, to do something for myself, to make because I told him, I said, I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life. I have to do something better. And that better was I just started college. But after that was done and I met Michelle and, and we got married and, you know, there was an instinct in me that took over of being a provider where she, I knew, I knew one of the things I knew right away was her abilities with children. And I knew this was, she was outstanding. She was going to be better at this than I am. So I gotta have her. <laughs> I gotta have her. <laughs> There's no doubt. You know she's gotta be marry me. You know. Because so. did you always want to be a dad? Yeah, eventually. Or have kids? Yeah. 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 I never had a problem with that. But you know, <laughs> that sounds a little different. Yeah. That sounds like you've had a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've never had a problem producing children. Not at all. How many other kids don't we know about, Dad, that are... Well, the, 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 when the kids came, you know, Michael, our, yeah. our kids came, you and, and you know, the, there was a provider thing that clicks in my head, all right, to be a provider. She had the house under control. She's the queen of the house. She ran the house, kids, and I had to go out and provide. So I would do, I would have done anything to do that, anything. And some of the things that I did probably... Maybe I shouldn't have done the one of the worst days I ever had was when you guys called me up when I was in Asia and I was gone for 10 months. And, and, uh, you know, you all, all of you told me I was like dead to you. So, and that went on for seven years and I missed that. I missed those years, but you know, and I just told my boss, I'm coming home or I'm quitting. And if I got to quit, I'll quit. You know, I wouldn't quit because I couldn't stop working. Because I had to provide. Mm -hmm. And the role of a provider is not acknowledged in the world very much. But there was a group of us at work that we, a few of us, three or four, that we talked about being providers. And so, you know, I mean, that just somehow clicks in. And uh, because I knew she was going to be, you know, a great mom and take care of the stuff at the house. And I knew I had to provide. So... I mean, that, and that's a satisfaction that a lot of people don't have. And that's a satisfaction that there was a group of us at work that talked about that, that, you know, the parent gets, you know, press and gets kudos and the mother's always the first one, the sons and the daughters, you know, and it, we talked about this at work because guys, were they all men that you were hanging? Yeah. Some. Yeah. There was one woman, but we talked about this because they felt bad. Mm hmm. Because 
<laughs> we'd always make a joke about it. Like, you know, well, where do you rank? Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I take the garbage out. You know, I'm there behind the kids. I'm there behind the wife's friends. I'm there behind the dog and the cat. And I said, oh, okay. You know, you are that low. I know. We didn't have a dog or cat. No. <laughs> so, so there was no animals at our house. And Except, no. you know, we had chameleons. Yeah, chameleons. And a turtle <laughs> once. I remember that in Louisiana. Was that Louisiana? There was a turtle? Yeah, yeah. it was probably Louisiana. We had snake in Alabama. And, uh, yeah. Not as a pet. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's why, you know, I would have still be working today if, the, if they didn't sell the locations that I supported so to another company. So. I mean, to start at from a biological standpoint, I think children will always have more of a connection with their mother. Oh, yeah. Because me being a new dad, like, it's weird, you know, because, yeah. like, I didn't I didn't grow we went through the birth process by observation. Right. And then all of a sudden, like the baby is born, then you're forced to now all of a sudden you have this new role right. where it's not the saying that. And we've talked about this before, but, you know, it's the same thing with them being a mom. Like you're just, you, you know, it's like, yes, you're growing. The child is much different than actually having the child physically in front of you yeah but there are i actually have been reading about right you know there are some actual brain changes that the woman goes through you know as during the pregnancy and the whole birth process that the man does not so like we're just a little more prepared right yeah yeah and so for us it's, in a way i mean no it's it's biologically at least hormonally speaking and brain speaking yeah well you did a good job I mean, to provide for all of us and fulfill your role. Yeah. You know, that was pretty, it's pretty, I mean, all three kids are successful in what they do. And no, we did a good job. Right. Because she's half provider too. So. Correct. But I'm not giving mom credit right I, now. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. She's been praised her whole life. You yeah, know, yeah, we're just going to, yeah. So I guess with, let's talk a little bit about your, I want to talk about dad, your health transformation, oh, yeah. because that's not something that, because you've really lost a lot of weight and kept it off and are now like taking vitamins and paying attention to kind of what you're eating. Like what really triggered that after a I lot of years? You, when you asked me to be best man in your wedding, which was an honor in my life. And you told him that he couldn't lose the weight. You did? I did? Yes. Oh. You challenged him that and he I couldn't lose the weight. And I said, I'm going to show you. Really? Yeah. You two are very similarly motivated. I don't remember this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say it just like that? Yep. Oh. Just about just like that. Well, that's what you heard. I don't know if I actually said it that way, but. Uh, your yeah. mother, you know. You were there? I don't remember that. That's what uh, you told me. Yeah. Yeah. But you made a challenge because he did lose weight before. Remember, he when he was yeah. in Malaysia, he lost a lot of weight. But, but that was a long time on. ago. It's pretty remarkable that you actually. But like, it's really different to lose weight for an event. Most people, a lot of people, can do that and but then put it back on. This is now two and a half what, years I changed, later. I changed what I eat. I mean, when I worked, you know, and I still miss it. Wendy's spicy chicken fillet <laughs> with French fries <laughs> and a Coke. I miss it. Culver's. Like, Culver's. Oh, I miss it. You know, I'm on the road from Sunday through Friday, Monday through Friday, sometimes Sunday through Saturday, and sometimes for weeks and months. Each week, Wendy's, Culver's, you know. And But I loved breakfast, so I always had a big breakfast 
we wouldn't sometimes would eat for lunch but there was just something in me i just said i lost all my weight by just changing what i ate in my mouth and i just said i got up to 212 pounds the heaviest i've ever been and i said this has to stop and michael made a statement to me one time that you know you're a candidate for sugar diabetes if you don't change what you're doing and one time i was sitting in a hotel room and i had these uh pains in my feet I've never felt needles, but they were like, if you take needles and a thousand mm-hmm. needles and put them in your feet. I had that one night in a hotel room and I didn't know what it was. And I talked to somebody and they said, well, you know, you, that may be a symptom for diabetes. So I said, well, I started to just think. And I just said, well, and you know, I don't know when I just made up my mind to do something, I just did this and I don't miss the bad food. Like I don't eat cereal. I mean, I'm, and the other part is I have a problem with triglycerides and it's due from an operation I had and and, um, removal of some glands. So in 1985, I was diagnosed with like 450 on triglyceride count and they couldn't measure the one cholesterol factor because the triglycerides hit it and my cholesterol has always been high. We tried all this stuff fish diet and all through the years and to try, you know, eat salads, nothing worked. And so one day I read Atkins book and I read it two or three times and it convinced me to eliminate carbs, all of the unnecessary carbs we eat. And we overload our body in carbs. And I know Atkins was looked at as, you know, maybe a little bit off, but what he basically did we were talking about this at work and I met a young fellow. He was a, he had diabetes from birth. What Atkins did was take the sugar diabetic diet and made a fortune with it. And a lot of people go off the wall on that diet, but you know, you are to eat carbs. So I just did that and I just eliminated all the bad stuff. And you know, my carbs come from like before I go to work in the morning, come from eating an apple or a banana. And I was amazed how sweet an orange tastes when you stop eating junk, you know. And you, and the other thing Michael told me one was the um, carbohydrate addiction. He mentioned that to me one time about that this is an actual addiction, and I could feel it yeah. when I eat a carb. Like I can resist any store bought item there is. I can just turn it away, but I can't resist her Michelle's homemade apple pie. And there's a story oh. about that. You can't resist any of my baking. Yeah. So when I have it's good, it is really good. Yeah, you're a really good, good baker. <laughs> and uh, we'll tell you a story about that apple pie in a sec. But when I eat a piece of apple pie, I can feel my body race. I can feel my brain uh-huh. race. Mm-hmm. It doesn't you know. stop you. You're from talking eating it. now, now, yeah, yeah. now, yeah. yeah. But it yeah. still doesn't stop him from eating it. No, <laughs> no, it's the sugar is worse than cocaine. Yeah. in terms of addiction. So I lost all the weight by just controlling my diet, and the weight just. And what the doctor told me was, you have carbohydrate chains build up in your body and this is what happens when you stop eating the carbohydrates they start to deteriorate inside your body and then yeah. you start to lose the weight so when i went in, i go in for a yearly physical because i had to get blood tested for four or five different things and so he says your triglycerides are 50 last year they were 375 what have you done so i told him he was says, this this year or last year? it was 2015 it was two years ago okay when i lost all the weight right so and the tests have all stayed pretty low so far. And the cholesterol was the first time since 1985 that they were able to read it. 
and they were all low. Everything was low. So, but I don't, you know, I just, and I don't eat as much as I did before. Like I'll have something in the morning and we'll have something at night. And I usually don't eat very much during the day at all. I might have a piece of cheese. And, and the other thing is I changed, you know, all of our lives we were brought up on a heart healthy diet. And I watched Perlmutter one night on public television for four or five hours. He had a show and he talked about how the size of the brain's shrinking in the last 50 or 60 years in people and how people's IQs are going down. And it's all due to the heart healthy diet where you should have a brain healthy diet and you need to have fat in your diet. And what's a heart healthy diet? What are you? Oh, we were raised on, you know, you have to count calories. Low, low fat. No fat. No bacon. A lot of grains. Right. A lot of grains. Just making it clear for the listeners. A lot of grains. And he's making the point that you don't want to eat grains. You don't want to eat breads. You don't want to eat pasta. You don't want to eat rice. You don't want to eat all that grain because it's no nutrient. And you want to stay away from all gluten because the body, gluten is a foreign substance of the body and the neurosurgeon's opinions that they were Mm -hmm. expressing on this show. So... I mean, I was just glued to the TV for five hours. I couldn't sleep one night. And then after I started to watch them, I was like, holy mackerel. They're changing. But why are you exercising? Okay, I'm getting to that. (laughs) They're changing, you know. 40 years of keeping him on track. (laughs) Yeah. They're changing what, finding out new data on what to eat and not to eat. Correct. Yeah. Why am I exercising? Yeah, because last week I was talking to you guys and you're like, yeah, I'm going to a yoga workshop. Or something. And this is something that when Kate and I started dating, do you remember what he used to say? I asked you, why don't you exercise? Or I asked you, do you ever exercise something? And you said, you said, why would I want to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Or what would I want to do that for? I used to say, exercise is the evil word. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, it was a curse word. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, other than. It's part of his OCD. It's OCD. He liked it, and now he can't. Now you can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And something to do. And I meet people there and, you know, and, and yeah, this is where he's an extrovert. Yeah. Cause he comes home and he, Oh, I saw so-and-so and there's this and there's that. <laughs> he's more of an extrovert at the Y than I am. I don't know. Well, that's really. why I was at work. I had to, I, you know, all day long socializing. Yeah. yeah, yeah socializing. It's, it's socializing so. now. His exercise is socializing and he's getting, he's good at it. He's getting stronger. It's so great. you can see, you know, we met this one instructor there, and he's very good. He's an ar- was an army drill sergeant, and he says things. He reminds us of you. Yeah, his name's Michael too. Yeah, and he, I think it's the first age. time we met him. It's like, well, you may know his wife. I don't, but no, anyhow, Daniel did. Okay, first time we met him, we both looked at each other and says, "He's just like our Michael." Mm-hmm. You know, but he's very smart, and you know, he tells us stuff like eighty percent of getting in shape is what you put in your mouth. The other twenty percent is yeah. is only just there to maintain it. So, but that doesn't mean, you know, we're strict. I mean, I, we have pizza once a week, you know, so, okay. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the 80, 20 rule with food too. Yep. Because unless you're like a professional bodybuilder or whatever, that have to be a hundred percent on point with your diet all the time. Like it's good to mix it up because it's good for the cells. It's good for the system to have a change, you know, it just keeps us, Mm -hmm. keeps us good. And then of course, because if we don't experience like pizza or something like that, that's enjoyable, you're just going to, it's going to trigger that brain chemistry where it's an addiction and I need to have like it, have it, have it. feel like deprivation. Right. And then you want to eat a whole pizza instead of just one or two slices mm-hmm. type thing. And so. just trying to, you know. He always, a, he also always said that when he was 66, he would start to exercise and that's what he did. When he turned 66, he started to exercise. <laughs> 
We didn't have to say that in the podcast. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's great. That's funny. That I is funny. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really great. Now, what do you, I just want to ask about, you know, because like you're retired, yes. right? So like, how has that been a shift for, and mom, you're now part-time, right? Versus working full-time because, well, part-time plus taking care of your grandson, the other half. So how is it going now to moving into the so-called AKA retirement because you're not on the road anymore. And what's that like for you now? Retirement, it just was, it's not good for me. I mean, I like to work. I like to accomplish stuff. I like to be around the people that I worked with. We knew each other. I did, they respected what I brought to the table because they knew I was true to the subject material. Okay. To protect them. And uh, it was hard. It's hard because it's like you lose in a working manner, you lose purpose and function. You lose accomplishment. We would create things, and, you know, you lose you, – you don't have that anymore. And you can say, well, yeah, you can do that around the house and stuff. And now, Yeah, you do, but – It's not it, the same. It's not the same. Yeah. It's the accomplishment factor of the problem that's presented to you, and you have to work as a team with other people and solve the problem because in what I had to do is you could not ever do it alone. You miss that. And I still, the one guy I still talk to from work, he doesn't miss it because he has all kind of hobbies outside that he does. And, and his wife is very, you know, they own a business. Too, they, right? Yeah. They have their, yeah. their own business and stuff. But the, my boss, I still talk to him about once every two months, you know, he's, he's better now than he was even he had a stroke before he retired and everything, but he still wanted to work, you know, but they sold our part of our business mm-hmm. out. So so he was forced retirement, really. Yeah. Right. So it's hard. It's hard to adapt to. And it comes down to this. When you work and you have a family and raise, have wife and, and the whole life of, you know, your go, go, go. And it's going to get more go, go, go with you guys because as Penelope gets older, you can involve her in activities and you go to those activities like we went to your baseball games mm-hmm. and all the kids' activities and Katie's gymnastics. and Penelope's time. not going to play a sport. We're not going to let... No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. You can do whatever she wants. I know. I'm just kidding. Time is your enemy because you never have enough time to accomplish everything you wanted to do in that day, either with your professional life, with your private life, or with your kids' lives. All right? It is your enemy because you're just struggling all the time to get as many things done in the hours and the minutes that you have available to you to get those done. But that's good because... As your day goes by and the weeks and the months and the years go by, you know, you see the progress of what you did in the past. And you see it gives you motivation for your accomplishment in the future. But when you retire, you say the byline was, you got the time to do everything you want. But when you retire and get up in the morning and you say to yourself, I have 12 hours to do what? So time is still your enemy, Mm -hmm. you know. In, and you have to occupy that time with some things and things you do. So, you know, it's it's just the interaction of what time you have left in this life to get what you want done. You know, so, but my professional career is done. I'm not going back. My All my certifications have run out. And I was offered a job three months ago to go back to work. And I just said, I don't want to do 80 hours a week again. Mm. So, I mean, we would work between the travel and everything, it'd be 60, 80 hours a week. So, and, uh, and then when I did international, you know, that was 
I was away for, I think 18 days was my shortest trip in five, six months. I don't know. Then how about you, mom? How is it with dad being home all the time now? That's why I'm working. (laughs) (laughs) And if she retires, I'm going back full time. I'm going to the service station. Is that the secret of 40 years of marriage? (laughs) You got it. We don't know how you two do it, all right? So yeah, I don't know how you work together and live together. Well, we did just recently get separate offices, and I kicked him out of our weekly meeting. So we've been creating some good Yeah, boundaries. I mean, it's just like it's been communication around what's working and what's not. I mean, and it gels for us. You know, yeah. it's no, like, it we can see yeah, that it works, works yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it works. Yeah. But it's definitely not for everyone. No. no, no. And there's things that we're learning that don't like working in the same office. We've tried it like four times now. It doesn't work. It's we need to stop idea. trying it. Yeah. So we're building Cater own office. Yeah. No, I'm kidding, though. I mean, I it, it's been an adjustment. I will say that. And I think it's an adjustment for both of us that he's home all the time. But it's been a good adjustment. You know, he's a good help now. With That's good, because that would be awkward if he said this was a... A bad adjustment to, at this moment. <laughs> yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to think of those faces you're making. Yeah, I know you've thought about it, but we can say it's good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no. And going part-time, I'm not really... I'm probably working as many hours in as few in in fewer less days. days. Yeah. Because yeah, she goes to work at 7, comes home at 7.30, and then has to do charts till 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Wow. So. And then do them the next day, too. But the positive thing of that is that I was allowed to go to three days, and I'm the one who chose to do 32 hours to save money on our insurance, basically, to keep, us, keep me at full-time status. And I'm blessed to be able to stay with our to keep our grandson. We're mm-hmm. blessed to be able to do that. And if you guys were here, we would do the same thing for you. For you. Hint. Because we it appreciate is that. just a, <laughs> to watch him grow up and to have that relationship. And, you know, thank you for giving us that opportunity with Penelope too, because yeah. you give us weeks at a time where it could be just one day every six months. So it's just so special to see them and to see them grow up. And so there's a lot of blessings and I'm probably, I will be ready to retire when it comes time. So 65, 66, I'm out of there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with the environment of the medical field now and the stipulations that are put on us by the government and by everything else. And it's not that I won't miss the people because I do, there's a lot of reward in helping a three-month-old here or a 75-year-old here that's been missing things, or for someone to come back and say, you know, it's very special what you've done for me. And there's a lot of reward in helping those people. Now there's those that won't wear hearing aids if you paid them, but still, <laughs> you know, there there is a reward in the people that I meet and the people that I work with, and I will miss that. But I think that because i think I'm more of an extrovert than an introvert, I will find another method. I will volunteer. Yeah. I will work at a preschool or I, I will do it. You know, such a gift as <laughs> thank you. Part-time, yeah. nothing full-time, but I could not sit at home all day long. I just, and that, but you know, exercising for me, I've exercised for as long as you've known me. Mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. marathons, try, you know, everything. Because it makes me feel better. 
Yeah. That's part of what makes me feel good. And, you know, listening to like one that you wrote about how you have to do things for yourself in order to be able to give to those that you love. Yeah. And I find that's true and it doesn't have to be 50% of your day. It can be 10% of your day just to give you that quick energy. And a lot of people say, why do you still get up so early in the morning in order to, when you should be sleeping, which is probably true, but that's the only time I have to do that exercise. So I would rather get that exercise in and try to get to sleep. So it's been a change, but I, you know, your dad you- is helping out more than he never would cook a meal or when we were married before, it was always my responsibility. And They've always been married, but that yeah, was sounded awkward. I know, that did sound a little awkward. <laughs> we know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-retirement. Pre-retirement life. Yeah. And well, I was never here, too, so. I know, but even after you were here. Yeah. And so I think it just changed, and I told him I needed somebody to take care of me once in a while. And so now he gets meals for me twice a week whenever I'm working. That's so nice. Those late nights. Oh, it's great. It doesn't have to be home cooked. It can be Wendy's. (laughs) No, I won't get Wendy's. I don't think I'd eat Wendy's. (laughs) We're not bashing them. So, you know, all through life, there's adjustments to be made every day. And uh, I think it's, It's, it's how I read a quote on a calendar that said, it's not the decision that matters it's how you approach that decision mm. and i actually sent that quote to your brother when he was trying to <laughs> decide on his car <laughs> decide on his car and i just clicked that took mm. a picture of it and sent it to him and i thought you know that's very that's that's good it's that journey they always say it's the journey not the destination and i think that's true it's how you approach everything and daniel came clean with me. i'm going to answer your quite part of your question is exercising. I asked Michelle years ago, why do you exercise? And she said, it makes me feel good. And I have to agree with that now that, you know, it makes me feel good. So. <laughs> Before I was like, what are you talking about? Exercise now is no longer a four letter word. No. Yeah. yeah. I think with take home message, exercise makes you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. all agree. Yeah. Quote by Bill Watts. <laughs> yeah. You, we'll just, no, that's by Michelle. Well, we'll no, just, that's Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. Michelle Watts. Do you have any couple? I have two final questions. Okay. I just want to hear the apple pie story and then we'll go with Mike's questions. Uh, Okay. When Michelle and I were dating, I had an apartment in undergraduate school and uh, I used to, you know, she came over one night. It was a Friday night. So she says, well, can I make, I was making dinner and then you were going to make an apple pie. And uh, I says, oh, my mother, she was a baker, but she made cakes and nut rolls and pizzelles and stuff like that, but she never made apple pie. So I, apple pie to me was whatever you bought in a store. That's all the experience I had. And it was all, you know, substandard. So, <laughs> so she made an apple pie on Friday night and she had one piece and, and we had it for dessert. I ate the rest of it. So, <laughs> the whole thing, the whole thing. That's awesome. <laughs> the whole so, pie. the second part of this, there's three parts to this story. The second part of the story is so, we got together then Saturday night for another date. And she says, well, you want another apple pie? So we don't have any more left. And I said, well, okay, let's go to the supermarket, get the stuff, and you can make it. And I says, okay. And so she made another one. Well, Saturday night. Who paid for it? I paid for it. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, well, yeah, well, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I know. I just I know. wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we sat down and had dinner and then dessert and then. She had her piece, and I ate the rest of the apple pie Saturday night. 
so Sunday, I says, what do you want to get together again Sunday? And so, you know, after, you know, I said, I'll meet you at your dorm and, you know, we'll walk to my apartment and stuff and whatever. And so she made another apple pie. So it was like I had, and then the same behavior occurred again three days in a row. And I just like, and that's, and I've been eating her apple pies ever since. So you I just ate, can't. ate three apple pies in one weekend, essentially. Three days. That's amazing. <laughs> three apple pies in three days. You see where my sugar problem comes from? I've never doubted where yeah. <laughs> And my mom could have an apple pie in the house for a week and like have one little square and know, slice. Right. And it's remarkable. She's like a, a moderate, what Master do we call it? saverer. Yeah. She's a moderator, for yeah. sure. I well, you get enjoyment out of the one cookie or something, I and we amazing. I have to consume 20 of them, yeah. and then I feel like crap. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't bake those chocolate chip cookies I was going to bake? No, you can bake them. I'll, eat like, <laughs> I'll take like five with me or so. No, you can definitely bake those. Well, she made those snickerdoodles for you. I know, but those aren't, they don't do it. They're not, they're not like chocolate chips. No, they're not like chocolate chip cookies. I decided when it came to desserts and sugar and things like that now, it's like, what are the ones that really get me excited? Right? Those are like chocolate chip cookies, anything really chocolate, period. And then I'm just going to eat those, you know, instead of just like trying to eat dessert or something when we go out to eat because it's there. And it's like really savor the ones that I really enjoy. So. Mm -hmm. I really like to bake. So now what I'll do is I'll, I'll bake when I'm in the mood and then he eats while I'm baking and then I take the rest to work yeah. and then it's not here or That's I put it in the smart. freezer. Smart. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Um, do you have any? No. No. So what advice I, I'm looking at this for myself as being a new parent, you know, for Kate and I as we're married with a new kid. So like and then going to have future children. Like, do you have advice for new parents? No, the both of their faces were like no. Well, I was getting ready to say something. Uh, uh, or like I, us as we're growing up of learnings that you have thought about, you know, a couple times to be like, oh, would have been better if we did this a little bit better, or just, or we did really great with this. Yes, or great. You know, what did really well, and then what was like, yeah. I think as the relationship progresses, I mean, I can still remember meeting Michelle, and and then you know we were together. And then we had children and then, you know, when you have children, I mean, her role, the roles change, okay, as the time goes by between the husband and the wife to some extent. The people change. She's not the same person. I'm not the same person. And, but there's glue somewhere, an emotional glue or a mental glue, because I never thought of not being married to her. Even though she's had some trying times with me, okay, but, you know, there's always, there was, I never thought of her not being there. And I think if you have that mindset, whatever trial or tribulation you go through and whatever this life throws at you, you know, um, I think as a husband and wife, you know, you get through it. We always talk which about... Which helps make you better parents, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah because you're always there. And and the thing is, you you trust each other, and you depend on each other. Okay, and and like I always depended on her. I knew, I knew, in my heart and in my brain, that she was a great mother and a good wife. All right, and she always took care of her family, and that came first. That was the most important thing in my life. That she took care of the family first. Me, you know, I went out. 
and we always called it Slay the Dragons. So, <laughs> and the dragons were everybody who didn't want to do what we wanted them to do. So, and we had to convince them to do that. That was our jobs. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I don't know. That's the advice I have is, is things are going to change, and you have to adapt to the change, but you have to do it together. You know, and um, I've always perceived that in our relationship because I always thought she was there for me. And I always tried to be there for her, even though I didn't do everything she wanted me to do, you know. But I don't know. It's I just have, you know, this thing like I fell in love with her at first sight. So for me, my life was over as far as women go, you mm-hmm. know. And until one he went out, I was going to say, yeah. but he went out on a date after he met me. Right. <laughs> Well, I had to fulfill the commitment. I mean, it was just like exercising, you know, when I reached a certain age, I wanted to exercise. It's like exercising. I think that one thing I can think of is that try not to force Penelope or your future children into doing something just because you want them to do it. And I think that, you know, with sports, you guys always wanted to do baseball or the track. You might not have always wanted to put your heart into it. I remember you said to me you were really a baseball player your freshman year and your senior year. The other two years, you weren't, your heart wasn't into it as much. Do you remember that? No. Because hmm. I was commenting on how well you were hitting as your senior year, and you said, well, that's because I really wanted to play this year. So I think, you know, even with college. I mean, I can think about that right now. Like, it makes sense to me that I, like, I can think about, yeah. That you could have said that to me then. Yeah, I, I mean, I can visualize my senior year and my freshman year and being excited about those two years. And then, like, freshman or sophomore and Junior was a well. Junior I felt year a little, was hard because you were a little lost backup, right? Too, yeah. so you didn't get the playing time. But you know, it's hard for us as parents. We always we want you to do this, or we would like you to do that, or we would like you to succeed in this, or we, you know, wouldn't this be fun if you did? And I think it's harder to pull back and not and just let you do. There's a extreme to that too. Things that you did that you shouldn't have done, or Maybe that's what you should have done in order to grow up, you know, but try not to force her into doing dance if she doesn't want to do dance or I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's hard. You'll try she not to a force random her. Example. <laughs> yeah, it is a random example. You'll try not to force her. Yes. I will try not to force yeah. her. <laughs> Although I think Miss Penelope would probably love doing dance. I think she would. We love shall it. see. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's Maybe really, really good is. advice. Both of you guys. I love that. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? I was going to say, do you guys have any oh. questions for us? <laughs> I have a question for you. So yeah. if you were to look back, and maybe you don't want to talk about this, what would you change in us as parents? How would we have done anything differently that would have redirected your life? My dad's now rolling his eyes. <laughs> because if you think that something... I'll, how about I answer this way? I'll answer the way I think my answer will come through of how I will... My thought of fathering or being the parent to Penelope. I think maybe during those times that now I don't really remember a lot of it. So it's hard for me to really say during like the high school years and stuff. But I would say one of the things was kind of what you talked about earlier was like asking more questions. And it's like, it was clearly a cry for help. You know, it's like going out and using substances to block reality, right? It's during those times when I think of 28 or 16 to 28, I was blocking the reality of something because I was using substances to cover something up of what I truly wanted or needed. And that could have been 
somebody asking more questions, something like that. I mean, this is kind of how I processed it all now. And right when I really think about this, that I've talked to Kate about. So are you going to fall asleep? No, are you good? I'm just thinking. Oh, okay. So I think during maybe those times could have been now this is all could have, should have, would have been, but it's more, I would say of a, not necessarily that you're, were trusting me because it clearly you had a line of trust, but it was almost probably digging deeper. Like what you said earlier, mm-hmm. it's like digging. It's like, what the hell's really going on? You know, what is really happening? And I don't know if I would have been able to explain that or even ready to talk about it. Probably about I wouldn't have talked mm-hmm. about it, but yeah, I would say, I mean, with Penelope, the one thing I just want to instill in her is that I'm always going to be here you know, for her if she needs that and to make sure that that's clear for her as her dad. And And it's clear that you had that. uh, Yeah. With my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, it's hard to look back to say like, you guys should have done this differently because the reality to me, it's like all the groundwork that was laid early on, even though it kind of detoured for a while, I still see that through myself now, like the hard work, the work ethic, the caring for Kate, the caring for Penelope, like that is really the instillment that you talked about in this podcast about what you wanted for us as your kids. And that's a hundred percent showing through now, Yeah, it you is. know? Yeah. So for me, and that, then I can see where also that aspect of just, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't like, I don't know. I can't say and say you should have done this differently, you know, or look back and say something was wrong because it's like everything always makes every right. Like I'm sure you guys can look back at your childhoods and I certainly can. And there are things that like I wish had been different, but at the same time, if they were, would I be me? You know, I can't think that I can look at my parents and say, Oh, I didn't like the way they did this. So I'm going to do it different. You know, I can't say, and I would hope that, None of you would think, oh, well, they weren't. I know one thing you said is, like, dad wasn't around sometimes, and that's when you don't want to be like that. So that's, but it's not a negative thing. That's just the way it was. I can understand that. So I can't, I hope that, you know, none of you ever feel like, oh, my parents should have did this or should have done that. No. That we. No, I mean, that was Raising you was. A joy of our life. And, you know, really, it was. That could have gone two ways right there. (laughs) That's exactly what she about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Raising you was. was. Some trials and tribulations. (laughs) Of course there's trials and tribulations. There always are. Because you got the good parts, and then you got the parts of opportunities for improvement. So, you know, it's like you got to take them both the same way, you know, and it's like you just There's an unconditional love for a child no matter what you go through. And... It's always there. That love is always there. Yeah, it's so annoying sometimes. Yeah, and it is. I mean, it was. Like, during those times where I didn't want to, like, be home or whatever, you wouldn't stop. And it was, you know. But if that... they had, you right, wouldn't be Right, I wouldn't here be today. here today. I mean, that's, like, it's that's crazy. what I was not around during those times. But as an outside observer, like, the common thread is always being available. Like, one thing my parents always told me growing up is, no matter where you are, no matter what the situation you can always call us mm-hmm. and we will come get you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I hear that that was what was the case. And mm-hmm. I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And that is why we come and drop Penelope off here because you guys are wonderful people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like definitely 
And I know you get so much joy out of it, you know, is like watching well, I get Penelope. To see, I get to see things now that I missed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the good part. Yeah. yeah. I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad because I missed it. That part is not part of me because I had another function to do. Yeah. Right. Which brought me as much satisfaction as she had raising the kids, yeah. you know, and being <laughs> home here and being mother. Because, I mean... But now I see, you know, what I missed and, you know, it's amazing. But, you know, know, our grandchildren are so much smarter than our children ever were. (laughs) I understand. I mean, and if you talk to any other grandparent, we all say the same. Really? Thing. I mean, <laughs> she's because it's like we think, oh my gosh, did you know what he did today? I don't remember are any of our kids ever doing that at that age, and it's probably just because the memory is gone. <laughs> That's but really we all funny. Say, our grandchildren are so much smarter than our children <laughs> ever were, Love and that. we thought our children were geniuses. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, hopefully Penelope is Kate's English and writing ability, not mine. So she certainly has my feet. She does. <laughs> yes, Your she eyelashes. does. She has my eyelashes, which it's is a total great. win. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I mean what you said, like it's just something that I looked at, like what you looked at when you were working at Westinghouse to say I want to do something different, mm-hmm. you know. And with Penelope and with Kate, like I just it was always that part where it was like, okay, I want to do something different, you know, and being able to travel and the, run the business that we were able to do. And I, we didn't even talk about this, but I just was curious, like from a, like I'm always, there's always patterns with running your own business. And I think it goes with the adventures. So we don't have to actually go into it, but just was that always like the entrepreneurial spirit? Was that always something that I kind of had as a child, like when starting young and working? We always said, <laughs> We used to say you were a flim flam man. You could talk anybody into anything. So yes, I guess so. What's a flim flam? Oh look, Google like it. A snake right. oil salesman. <laughs> okay, answer said, that question. We always said you ought to go into sales because yeah. you could you could yeah, sell you somebody could. the Empire State Building. Yeah. So, <laughs> Maybe I will one day. Let you try that. So yes, there yeah, was that been, answers that question. There was the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I think that yeah, you hit it nail on the head. Okay. <laughs> Flim flam, man. That's amazing. Well, you got to understand, you know, that doesn't apply to you today, that label. But when you were younger, you used to tell us anything you you wanted to say or somebody else that, you know, and it was yeah, like, but you, you always could, had the gift of gab yeah. and you always had, you were always able to make friends and you, and yeah. you still are. I mean, you're always able to make friends. You'd talk to anybody on the street and be a friend, a friend, yeah. you know, yeah. if, and just said that you had the gift of sales. So. And I think that has come through because you are, you have a personality that fits what you're doing. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And Thank you me. finally okay. have routed it into a good direction instead of into a bad direction. So. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. We'll leave it. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think we've already told them. I'm we not sure. yeah, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> told them what? His audience. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That'll be for another podcast at some point in time. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't need to go into that. I mean, it's relevant to a certain degree. So do you have any other questions for us? I don't have any questions. I mean, uh, one question, what do you envision the next 40 years of your lives like? I don't know. Oh, oh Give me baby. the top three things. Top three things, next 40 years. Go. I want to have at least one more child, for sure, and be a dad of at least two kids. And then we'll discuss whether it goes from continues on from there. 
Kate's going, no, just do. <laughs> I, well, it's not, I mean, it's not really up to me. So I'm thinking too, but you know what? I, you never know. Right. So yeah. that's number one. So number one would be have, and then have just the family unit, you know, okay. with the kid and number two, and to have a really healthy relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. Number two is I definitely want to take our business to the levels that we've talked about. Like I want a legitimate organization that is affecting people, not only just our customers on a very positive level to make the world a better place when it comes to their financial situation, their health situation, but also whatever else comes about, because I know exactly where the direction like you're going with what's coming out in May that you'll hear more about on this podcast later. But it's also us as a couple, because I think what we're doing is really special. So I think that can help people as well. But then also me as a guy, especially in this day and age in 2017 with these douchebags that are running the country right now and they're so-called men, you know, it's like we call them these men and they're damaged individuals who out from an emotional standpoint at a really young age. And then they've led this way that has been led for a long time about this power and male dominant society of power. I mean, they're making decisions right now about what to do with maternity care and it's a room full of men. You know, and it's just like, it doesn't make any sense. So it has to bring diversity in there and it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to really understand the emotions of a situation. So for me, that's what I feel something, the work will take in that direction. And that's what I feel like our business will be a part of that is really healing dynamics of, from a feminine energy and a masculine energy standpoint. If you don't know what that means, I can explain it, but it's like to really make it well-rounded, better human beings. And then also with our business to be able to support ventures, which we do now as well on a smaller scale. But I'd like to also increase that to help other countries as well as our country here in the United States, because we definitely need it to allow education to take place for folks to be able to make decisions and to really empower themselves. And I feel like the one thing that I've done for myself in the last I mean, really, since I was been 28, but also been doing it longer is really taking care and healing things that it's like with drinking or it's with drugs. And it's like, why did I do that? And what was the pattern behind that? And then also is explaining that we are able to solve our own problems and with action and help. So that would be Mm -hmm. that encompasses all number two. And then number three, I really like our slogan is. I can't remember our slogan is make a life, not just. Yes make a life, not just a living. And I want to make sure that we continually, or that I, for myself, continually that, because I feel like when I started my business, it was all about money. It's like when I started working at Philip Morris, it was about income and money and driven for financial gains, et cetera. But now it's really about is to living this on my terms slash our terms, like in with us as a family unit, what that looks like and to keep that in the front of mind for me. And if I can do that for until I die, you know, I feel really complete with my life and that I'm doing really positive things because I feel like the like I feel like I work those 80, 90 hours weeks for when I was working at Philip Morris and before that. And it was great. But I also saw a lot of my employees that were also 40, 50, 60 years old who weren't happy. And that was the number one thing I saw working at Philip Morris was all these people were making tremendous incomes, but they weren't happy. And I want to be able to do both, but also be able to just really live the life that I want on my own terms mm-hmm. and to continually do that. And so, what about you, Kate? Top three things for the next 40 years? Um, have another kid hmm. and like have an awesome family. And 
I would really love to take our kids out of school for a year and travel hmm. somewhere, go live abroad somewhere. That mm -hmm. would be a dream. Make a really big impact on the world through our business and hopefully philanthropic work. And what else? I mean, those are like really the two, mm. <laughs> two main things. Yeah. Be, yeah. I mean, be, be happily married, but yeah. I think that goes into the first one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Good. for asking. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I want to build a house. Oh yeah. Build a house. But that's like in the next year, yeah. not so much 40 year plan. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. I really think we should it. ask the final question. Or you ask. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the fi this is the final, final question. question. This is the big one. <laughs> This is the final question we ask everybody that's a guest on our podcast. So what is it? And I think this is really good to ask my parents because I feel like there's not a one thing that I wanted to interview you guys about and to actually have this conversation. I wanted to do it because there's a lot of times that I talk to my friends or and I don't know if you guys ever experienced this with grandma and grandpa, but like have these conversations before it's too late type thing. And to be able to sit down with you and to discuss this. So that's one reason I wanted, and I thought it'd be interesting just to hear, have Kate hear from you guys, like what life was like a little bit. Cause she hears it through the eyes of me, but not the eyes of you guys. And I just want to, you know, say, I'm sorry for causing all that headache during high school years. And I know it caused a lot of, and I know you're both shaking it off right now. Like it's no big deal, but it's a big fucking deal. You know, like it caused a lot of heartache and a lot of struggle for both of you during those times. And it's not only just affected like relationship between the two of us, but it also affected, I'm sure it affected Daniel and Katie and it affected the relationship you guys had with them and the relationship between the two of you. And I know those were choices I made, but I just, I'm sorry for putting you through that. Cause as you know, since I've had Penelope, like, yeah, you start looking at the world a little bit different and realize like, holy shit, like my parents stuck by me during all of these times and it's pretty phenomenal people. Like you guys are pretty phenomenal people to have. And just so thank you and for instilling me on all the goodness that I still live with today and that I can turn to Kate and be a better man and a better husband and a better father. And it's because of that groundwork that you put in when, even when I was young and even though you might've been traveling and not felt like you were here or what it felt like for you, it was still being instilled and it wasn't all roses and violets. You know, I know the whole way around family, even between the two of you guys, but definitely that love like really stuck. And then you can see it in not only myself now, but also Katie and Daniel and just, yeah. So thanks. And I'm sorry about those times okay. that took place. We never You're gave welcome. up hope. Yeah. yeah. We, we always loved you hope. and we still love you. Yeah. 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 So you can't give up hope. Yeah. Because we knew someday, someday you would turn around. And you did. And see. And you'd meet your fairy princess who helped you yeah. turn around too. I'll never forget the first day you <laughs> came here with, with, That's amazing. with the queen. I love that. I am a fairy princess. <laughs> we have some t shirts to get made today after this episode. <laughs> so. But that's, you know, it's just all part of growing up. You know, and, and it's getting older and getting wiser, maybe, you know, versus smarter, but you did. And that's the, as your parents, you know, what we see now is like, all that other stuff doesn't matter now. Yeah. It but does not matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to watch your language as your parents. All right. No more swearing. <laughs> yes. all right? So that needs to change right now at this point. Yeah, so, that's like, oh. yeah. <laughs> So you can say it without swearing 
And be as expressive as get the grammar. All right. <laughs> that went in one ear and out the other ear, but okay. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay, so, what's your final question? What do you guys want your funeral to be like? Oh my gosh. I want it to be a big party. Just party. Okay, we've discussed this, but I have to go first. All right. Yeah, so. he can't live without me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. Like, I think this is it's a good question. Like, this is a really good question. Um, well, we did discuss it. I know. No, and that's what I'm going to say we got, because we got graves too. Right, and that's yeah. what I think. There's so many times we hear this, and I'm sure you guys have heard this now, and it's just like all of a sudden people die. Right. Right. And there's no plan. Right. You know, like we have our wills made up already. You know, we have it set for what the plan would be if we pass away. We have insurance that would help care for Penelope if that ended up happening as well. You know, like Kate and I have planned that if we both die, you know, in a whatever, you know, if it happened. You travel together. Right. And so it's something that we've set in stone. And I hear it a lot of times from family members where it's like somebody dies and then they're going court for 50 years or... They're not sure what to do with the body. Or like Ted Williams, they freeze their father's body forever because there was no end plan. And I, it's inevitable. And I know you guys have talked about this. And I remember when I brought Jen here and you guys told us that you had your great... Ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend, yeah. Yeah. Ex- you should say who she is. So oh, yeah. Nice. Jen's really my ex- Oh, yeah. Jen, my ex-girlfriend. Yeah. So I, I, ha- I haven't talked about Jen on the podcast. No, yet? no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Just kidding. So Jen is my ex-girlfriend that I was dating before Kate and I brought her here. And I remember my parents telling me that they picked up their grave plots, like where they wanted to be buried. And we get on the plane from Chicago back to North Carolina and Charlotte. And she looks at me and she goes, it's so weird that your parents told you they have their plots picked out. And I'm like, why? I was like, I don't have to think about anything. Like it's already done. And she was like, my parents have never talked about that with me. And she thought it was the weirdest, strangest thing. And to me, it's not like to me, it's just, well, first it's common sense. Right. You know, we're all going to end up a little weird buying them. I'm sure it was. I bet it was. I mean, we had to do, we had to stack vertically because of the the cemetery. So we're going to be buried where we got married. Right. In Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And we have our headstone Uh, already picked out. At St. Vincent's. Right. Right. At the Basilica. Uh, We have our headstones already picked out. So yeah, it says. Our life began and ended here yeah. <laughs> or something nice. like that. So you want a big party. Do you want it here? I want a Catholic mass, though. A Catholic Sorry. mass plus a big party. Yes. Okay. That's good. Do you want it in Valpo? Yeah, probably. Anything specific you want served? Hmm. I haven't thought about that. Well, what's, what's the, the food? menu? Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll have to plan that. Okay. <laughs> I haven't thought that far ahead. I hope it's 25, at least 25 I'm years sure. down the road. I'm sure. There's time. Special music or no? Just a party. Old music. Mm, like dancing? 50s, yeah, 60s, dancing. dancing. Yeah. Where do you want the party to be? I don't know. I haven't thought of that. You know, in 20 years, it's going to be a lot of different places. So. That's true. It's true. So I'll let you pick the place. Okay. It could be in Maine, actually. No, we can't no, be in your Maine. People no, your people are here. Yeah. yeah, your people are here. There may not be any people left. I'm going to live to 100. <laughs> All right. Chances are good you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My grandmother lived to 95. Yeah. Yeah, we have longevity. Well, your mom moved on to both sides. Two. Two. Yeah. Yeah, she was short 103 by a couple yeah, months. So. Yeah. All right, Dad. What? What do you want your funeral to be like? Oh, I don't really. I don't know. Whatever you guys want, you know. I mean, I won't be around to enjoy it. So what the heck, you yes, know? Yes, you will. You'll be looking down. Yeah. yeah. We always said we're going to bury him in the vet. Yeah, dig like, a big grave, but it won't fit in the grave that we picked. So. Yeah, it won't fit in the grave. So I'll just have Funny. to take 
the logo with me. So. <laughs> there was actually somebody that did that. Did you see that article in the paper one time? No. no. Yeah, they actually buried the guy in his vet. That is really odd. Yeah. I know it is. Oh, but. my goodness. They would have to put the vet in a box. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be a big box. Yeah. A container. <laughs> a big box. So, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. I don't know. I just never thought of, you know, I would just venture to say the traditional stuff, you know, uh, you can have a party after the church and the funeral home, you know, so, but I don't have a lot of friends in town, so they'd all come to, for Michelle, you know, so I guess I'm meeting all these people to why, but they won't know when I die, so. No. But, <laughs> they're not really your friends. No, they're not, so. You never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You show up exercising there every day. They become friends. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But never thought about the actual event, you know, because it's, well, it doesn't matter. Hmm. It's yeah. a celebration of life and that's the way I want it to be. Yeah. I love that. Hmm. I love that. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for sitting down with us. Yeah. You're welcome. Where, Thanks for awesome. having us. Thank Where can you, people guys. find out more about you? <laughs> Look us up and we're Prairie Show, Indiana. Actually, traffic. I just found out last week that I was on the list of recommended, highly recommended audiologists in Valparaiso, Indiana. That's how a patient ended go. up with me. I said, really? There's a list like that? That's Dr. awesome. Watts. If you need some hearing work or ear work done, Dr. Watts is available. Yes. But they're up on Facebook. We'll link it up in the show notes. And you can meet Bill Watts at the... Valparaiso YMCA. Yeah. Yeah, at 4, He'll be, 445 4.45 in the morning. 445. He'll be working out in a strength class. <laughs> yoga periodically. Thank you, you guys. Thank you, Thanks guys. Thanks for having yeah. us. It Thanks. was fun. Thank mm-hmm. you. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.